Blog Talk Radio. Trekkies and Trekkers around the globe, welcome to Trek Talking To. I'm your most excellent host, Uncle Jim, and uh, with me as usual, well, not as usual, because this is our first podcast for Trek Talking To, uh, but with me is one of my regulars from Trek Talking. How are you doing tonight, Eric? I am doing fantastic. It is another uh, great day in Portland here, and I have just recently, with our good uh, friend Paul, sampled some Cardassian Canar wine, which we will be reporting on uh, this coming Thursday. Uh, let me just say, uh, not too shabby, not too shabby. So uh, looking forward to talking about that on Thursday. Looking forward to talking about my main man, Picard, tonight. Yeah, so with this being the golden age of Star Trek, there was a time uh, when we had to actually stretch Trek talking, and we actually had to talk about things like the Orville. Oh, my God. Can't believe those it's words good. came off it's my good. tongue, but but we used to talk about the Orville and Mandalorian and the Twilight Zone, and we, we had to talk about all kinds of things because, quite frankly, there just wasn't enough Star Trek content to fill one two-hour show once a week. Uh, well, all of that has changed. Uh, starting on Thursday night, we have Star Trek Discovery and Star Trek Picard back-to-back on Paramount+. Plus. So we're going to have a lot to talk about. We still have our Star Trek wines. We're, like Eric said, we're only up to wine number three of the six. So Greg Spurrier from Star Trek Wines will be with us, and we'll be playing the Fireside Chat, where Paul and Eric test the wines and review them for us. We have that. Noah Averbatch Katz is also going to be on the podcast with us on Thursday uh, to be talking about Disco Does D&D, which is great if you have seen it. And if you have it, you can find out all about it. Uh, so we have all kinds of stuff going on on Trek Talk and that we just, we can't, rather than tr- cut the show down, trim out things that, that we like and alter the format of the show, which is so popular with you guys, our fans, that we decided we're just going to 
overflow stuff onto Sunday, onto this podcast. So that's what we're doing here with you guys tonight. We'll be live for the next two hours. Our phone number here is 646-668-2433. And as if you couldn't tell, from the intro song, we're going to be talking about Jean-Luc Picard himself in preparation for Season 2 of Picard, which airs on Thursday night on Paramount+. Plus. Some of us are going to see a couple of episodes on Wednesday night, though. So uh, we just wanted to talk about Picard and get in the mood for some new Star Trek. I'm so excited that we're going to have new Discovery and new Picard simultaneously. My, my head has been blown. It's going to be great. So that's what we're going to be talking about, Star Trek, Picard, and uh, Jean-Luc himself. So why don't we dive right in and start at the beginning. How does that sound, Eric? That is a very good place to start. So I, I want to play for you guys. I don't know if you guys remember, but way back, way, way long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, it was September 26, uh, 1987, when the movie of the week was Star Trek, The Next Generation, Encounter at Farpoint. I was there. Remember it well. I had my old VCR. It was VHS at the time. And I had to pop in a tape and just videotape the whole thing so that we could go back and rewind it and watch it and analyze it and pause it and pick it all apart. Because you got to remember, guys, 1987, there was no Internet. We didn't have all this technology that we have today. We didn't have Facebook. All we had was conventions. And so, you know, we had to, we had to pause it. We had to pull stuff off the fuzzy screen and whatnot. That's what we did back in the day, and that's what I did. Had all my friends over, my Star Trek club. We all came over. We ordered a pizza, and we all sat around, and we watched Star Trek The Next Generation at counter a four point. We probably crammed probably eight, ten people into my living room at my little studio apartment. It was me and my wife, well, my fiance at that time, um, into this little room, probably, oh, I don't know, ten by eight, ten by ten. And we all crammed into this little room with pizza and watched Star Trek. It was a great, great, great memory. And just for you guys, this would be the very first time that we would ever meet Jean-Luc Picard, and this was his intro to the show. Captain's Log, Stardate 41153.7. Our destination is planet Deneb 4, beyond which lies the great unexplored mass of the galaxy. My orders are to examine Farpoint, a starbase built there by the inhabitants of that world. Meanwhile, I am becoming better acquainted with my new command, this Galaxy-class USS Enterprise. I am still somewhat in awe of its size and complexity. As for my crew, we are short in several key positions, most notably a first officer, but I am informed that a highly experienced man, one Commander William Riker, will be waiting to join the ship at our Deneb 4 destination. Now, is it just me, or does Patrick, does his voice sound a little bit different in that clip than usual? 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think we've got a slightly younger guy. Maybe even the sound mix was a little bit different, but he's his uh, the Tim. What is it? Timbre? I don't know. Kind of the pitch of his voice is a little bit higher, a little bit more nasally. Um, and but I will tell you that he still speaks with that kind of same gait. Like I don't think um, he changes the way that Jean-Luc Picard actually speaks throughout the years. It's just that the actual tone of his voice does sound a little bit different at the beginning here. I agree. Now, do you remember watching at Counter Farpoint when it premiered? Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, so for me, uh, dating myself a little bit differently, those were the high school years. And so I saw Encounter at Farpoint uh, on the television with my family uh, the night that it came out. I was able to convince them at some point ahead of time that watching this new Star Trek show that was coming out, I was like, you guys don't understand. It's been 20, 25 years since Star Trek has been on the air uh, I'm so excited about this. I understand that there's supposed to be some, some like different kinds of cast members going on, but of course it wasn't like, like Jim was saying, you couldn't just like go on the internet and figure out who the cast members were or like who the races were that were going to be represented or any of that kind of stuff. You just kind of had to like ride the wave. So I watched it with my family that night. Uh, and I remember having a combination of feelings about it in general. I Overall, the fact that we had a new cast that was so diverse and had so many kind of different facets to it. I love Tasha Yar. I, Worf was kind of like a weird character at the beginning, of course, then became a favorite, but unfortunately at the expense of Tasha. Um, uh, it also still kind of had some of that old TOS like uh, over lighting of the set and everything kind of looked like a stage play a little bit. So for me, when I first saw it, I was like, Oh man, I thought they were going to update that. But then of course they got into like action sequences and the overall story. I got into it. Uh, so yeah, I definitely remember seeing encounter at far point uh, when it came out. And we didn't have a VCR gym at the time. I must admit we were a little behind the curve, so I wouldn't get to see it again until years later when I did get a VCR, and the very first VHS I ever purchased was Encounter at Farpoint <laughs> so that I could watch I, it. I, um, I fell in love with the show right from the, right from the get-go, and one of the things that um, that attracted me to Star Trek The Next Generation that really pulled me in was the fact that when you look at Encounter at Farpoint, because that's pretty much all we're talking about at this point, and you look at TOS, which is all we had at that point as well, and the first thing that jumped out to me is there's more ships. Mm-hmm. We, we, we see an Excelsior-class ship flying right next to the Enterprise in the very very beginning. And right off the bat, I was like, wow, like there's more to Starfleet than just the Enterprise. And I remember thinking to myself, what a huge world this must be opening up because we're seeing other ships, other places, other things, other missions. And if you remember on TOS, the Enterprise was always by itself over here or over there. And time to time you might have like – you know, an episode where uh, another starship would show up, like uh, the ultimate computer, where they all had all four of them battling and things like that. But for the most part, you only really ever saw the Enterprise. 
So here's a new show where there's more to Starfleet than one ship. And that, that excited me. And Worf. Yeah, and Worf. Um, so it pulled me right in, and I was hooked. And here we are today talking about it all over again. So when you go back and you watch it now, Encounter Farpoint isn't one of the best, but it did its job. It did what it was supposed to do. And that it reinvigorated Star Trek and brought in a whole new blood of Star Trek fans. And here we are today. And actually, we have some callers on the line here, believe it or not. Yeah. Let's see what's going on here. Maybe. There we go. Hey, guys, hey good evening. Hey there, Jeez. Shannon. How you doing, Shannon? Good. How are you doing? Okay, so Sh- Shannon, uh, what do you remember about Encounter at Firepoint? Well, I I think I probably watched it by myself because I was the only nerd in the house at that point because I would have been like 15. Um, but And at that point, I didn't know other Trekkies. So I just watched it, enjoyed it myself, but I loved it because, you know, I had some issues with the original because of the misogyny, but obviously this was different from the get-go. You know, we see a counselor, we see, you know, women are equal. I'm like, oh, I like this. Yeah, Tasha Yar could kick your butt and take your name and not even think twice about it. Yeah, I do remember thinking that John Luke was so tiny because, you know, Riker's so tall when I saw them together the first time. Yeah, and, and he didn't have a beard either at that time. That's true. Well, but, it's, but not yeah. in the beginning. Yeah, yeah right. I, I, um, I enjoyed it so much. I really liked the music. I like I mm-hmm. what I liked is that they used the motion picture theme song uh, for the opening credits, and that kind of tied it all together into Star Trek. I'm I'm glad they made that decision because I think I think the music is so important to Star Trek, and that just cemented it and said, look, this is Star Trek, and you know here's the proof. So yeah, right that was a nice, it, you know, pulls you right in. That was a very nice way to hand off the torch, so to speak, for sure. And, you know, the other thing that I remember really noticing that very first time I ever saw it was, of course, it starts with the same opening monologue, you know, Space the Final Frontier, except when Picard says it, Picard says, where no one has gone before, no man has gone before. And Uh for me, that was something I straight up noticed right away, yeah. And and Shannon, right about freaking time, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so that was big for me. And uh, you know, I mean, say what you will about I totally agree, Jim. Not the absolute best episode of TNG that we ever saw, but that's just because they go amazing places that we're gonna, I'm sure, talk about here in a little bit. But one of the things that I really like about this episode is that um, they introduce this new captain who we do not know. We don't even really know what to expect. Actually, what we expect from him is Kirk <laughs> at this point, uh, the, the very first time we see it. And we absolutely do not get a Kirk, uh, but we get a man who's tested straight away. And probably my favorite line that I remember uh, Picard saying that just really resonated with me from Encounter at Farpoint is he says, if we're going to be damned, let's be damned for who we really are. And that is just like, that was like a whole kind of, okay, this captain is really being honest. He's like, 
humanity in the in the context of this episode humanity is not perfect i absolutely recognize that let's open it up and let's just put the cards on the table and talk about it and to me that is um that's a different kind of captain from uh kirk who i feel would try to like outwit you in some way right (laughs) (laughs) wrestling him (laughs) <laughs> yeah, he would do exactly. He wouldn't be like, okay, maybe, I don't know, brother, maybe you got something to say about this. Maybe I should listen. You know, Kirk wouldn't necessarily well, do that, but very different well, kind of first, he would have talked he to him about it. <laughs> long time. It would have for taken. a while. But, uh, no, I <laughs> I did notice that Picard is, is radically different from Kirk. And I think Star Trek needed that because Kirk was your classic leading man of the 60s. And, yeah. you know, where he, he comes in, he swoons all the women and sweeps them off their feet. And he comes <laughs> in and saves the day. It, it was written in the 60s. So it's got a lot of 60s tropes about it. And, and that's not a bad thing. That's just reality. I mean, people in the 60s wrote in the 60s. And that's the way it is. Whereas if they had written Picard that way, I think it would have been a joke. I don't think it would have been accepted as well and having an older captain uh he has a different aura about him he has a different he puts off a different feel than say a kirk would so you expect him to be more um because you civilized that's not the right word but <laughs> well, you ex- you ex- uh, i think come from a place of 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 wisdom rather than yeah. a place of reaction like Kirk is exactly. Kirk is the ultimate like guy who you want on your team when poop is really going down and you need to think on your feet, <laughs> you know. Whereas Picard is the guy who's like, I've been through every single thing that you've ever thought of, and this is the wisdom I can bestow upon you. Yes, I, I they're, they're they're radically different captains, but that's what we needed with TNG, and that's exactly what we got. And I think that part of the popularity of TNG falls on the shoulders of Patrick Stewart because if he wasn't such a commanding presence, if he didn't, you know, cause the rest of the crew to rise up to become the best they could be, then I don't think the show would have been such a success. But when you're, when, when Patrick Stewart is your leader, how can you not? I mean, sir, Patrick Stewart. Um, So (laughs) I think that, that Patrick Stewart really set the tone for Star Trek after that. Yeah, and he, uh, you know, I mean, he was fortunate to be kind of the focus of the writers, I think, for the first, like, little bit of the show. I think they really wanted to make sure that they were pulling everybody into the captain who was in charge of the ship right away, which I think is what every Star Trek show does. You know, uh, you look at the very beginning of POS, and your focus is really on Spock and Kirk at the very beginning. Um, You know, same thing here. Same thing when you get to Discovery, your focus is really on Burnham uh, with subplots with Saru, and then the rest of the gang kind of comes after that. So it's just, it's how you set up a show. Absolutely. And, and you know, if, if we can't respect and follow the captain, we're not going to watch the show, basically. Mm-hmm. True. True. So you got to have a good, strong captain. You have to have a lead that, that, that you're going to want to watch or you're not going to watch it. Right. Patrick and Stewart just nailed it. Yeah. Yes. They he, listened to he, his crew even on the first episode. You know, he's asking what their opinion, what they think is going on, which is great because it shows the dynamics that we're going to have for the crews. 
Mm-hmm. I, I remember going to early conventions back in the early, like, like we didn't have the internet. So you didn't have people on Facebook bitching about everything like we do today. Right. So when you went, you go to a convention and when you went to a convention, that was the only time you could really hear what other fans thought about things. Well, other than your friends and stuff like that. So well, one of the things that a lot of the fans were complaining about in the beginning was that the Romulans are attacking. Let's go in the ready room and discuss this. And then Kirk's like, the Romulans are attacking. Fire everything. It was, right. completely, you know, it was two different types of responses to the same problem. And yeah. a lot of fans back then had, a, had an issue that, well, can't he be the captain and make a decision on his own? And it's like, well, yes, he can make a decision on his own. He will make a decision on his own, but the crew that's around him got there for a reason, and he respects them enough to hear what they have to say before he makes his decision, like a good leader would, like Shannon just said. You know? Because I know, like, my boss at my job is an idiot. I know more than he does, (laughs) and God God forbid I mention something to him or say, you know, uh, we should do it this way or do it that way, and then, then... he starts pounding his chest. I'm the boss. You do what I say. And that's like poor leadership. And I don't think that Patrick, St- I don't think Captain Picard would ever do that. Even if he's not going to make the decision, you know, that you're recommending, he's still going to respect you enough to hear what you have to say. And that's what makes him a good leader. In my humble opinion. Mm-hmm. So anyways, as the start as Star Trek the Next Generation Oh, 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 we have another caller. Wow. Woohoo. Why does this thing not work when I push the button? It doesn't answer. <laughs> there we go. Hey, good evening. Thank you for calling Trek uh yeah, yeah, thank thank you for calling talking. What's your name and where are you calling us from tonight? Hey, my name's David. I'm calling from Portland, Oregon. David, <laughs> what's up, buddy? We got the whole day <laughs> okay. here. What's that? We got everybody. It is. Hey. We got a good crew here. Filling out the crew. So, what, so David, what do you think about the, about Patrick Stewart and uh, Encounter at Farpoint? Uh, back in the day when he wore a bald cap. Um, <laughs> well, Star Trek Next Generation was actually my very first... Uh, TV show of Star Trek that I've ever saw, so it was pretty good. I I liked it. The point episode though was a little off for me for some odd reason, but um, you know they have to start somewhere, so I like it. You know, yeah. I remember when the Enterprise separated. Me and my friends went. Mm-hmm. We just freaked out and went crazy. It's like, out. oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. Yeah. I mean, we could not believe that the Enterprise was separating. We were blown away was, by that. There was no clue that was going to happen, and then they do it, and it's such a like strategic thing that they do, and then they bring it back together. And just the scene, like how they zoom in on it, and the music while it's going on as they're flying, and the thing is separate. Oh, it's, it was magical, magical. And you can see the little the oxygen. You can see the air coming out where where it's separated yep. and. And one of the things that impressed me was the opening credits. You could see a crew member walking by as the Enterprise flew over. Just 
Wow. <laughs> Just incredible. Yeah. And so, it's interesting because I, you know, because I, Jim, you and I are able to go and Shannon, we're all able to go back to probably back when it originally aired. David, you probably saw it later. You probably, or did you see it in 87? Probably not. Or, or. No, I was only like a youngling. <laughs> yeah. A youngling. <laughs> yeah. So you probably saw it later. So I wonder, had you seen other science fiction before you saw Star Trek? Um, let's see. Memories. Um, (laughs) uh, my very first first, uh, science fiction movie I've ever remember seeing was I walked in on my parents watching Aliens. And uh-huh. I was, oh like, God. so freaked out with that show. I just, like, ran out of the I room. I was like, oh, show. man. <laughs> but, um, I, yeah, I think that was my very first memory of a science fiction movie uh, or show. But um, other than that, yeah. Uh, yes, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, see, I, I wanted to point space, out. All that stuff. Battlestar Galactica, Logan's Run, Silent Running, 2001 oh, yeah, Space Run. Odyssey, yeah. Saturn III, uh, The Black Hole, Flash <laughs> Gordon, on and on and on. Okay, I didn't see all so, of that. I saw about half of that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I'm old. I'm old and senile, and, you know, I'm a stalactite. So I, I wanted to – it's very true. I, I wanted to um, – I, I, I just – I wanted to move, move ahead a little bit talking about uh, – uh, TNG and Patrick Stewart in particular, Captain Picard. Um, mm-hmm. So as the series progressed as from Encounter at Farpoint, which isn't one of the strongest episodes, but it, it, it's memorable for me and, and people that remember seeing it for the first time. As, as Patrick Stewart's character progresses through the season, you know, we find out that he was the captain of the Stargazer, which makes an appearance, which fills in the history of the character. He introduced Jack Crusher to Beverly Crusher, which which fills in that a little bit more. And, you know, as as they write the show, we find out little bits and pieces about our beloved captain, which helps to make a more rounded individual. One of the things that happens in one of the episodes is he dies. And when he dies, he lives an entire lifetime in a matter of a few seconds because his Mm -hmm. fake heart failed. And they and, uh, they bring him back to life. But while he was unconscious, he lives an entire lifetime of another person. An episode retar- that was titled Inner Light. And in that episode, he he's playing a rescuing flute, a flute which he still has to this day. And mm-hmm. one of the things that they did with the Star Trek Picard theme song, which we play at the beginning of this show, talking about the importance of music, is when you listen to that theme song you will hear a Reskian flute and you will hear the classic Star Trek um, song on the Reskian flute, which, which is another great homage because using music, tying everything together in a nice deep bow by using nothing more than a flute playing a few familiar notes. It's sheer brilliance in my opinion anyways. Um, so that's why I played that at the top of the show is for that reason. But as Picard goes along. Uh, it was the uh, end of season three. Rumors were flying around. Tashiar had left the show already. And there were rumors flying around at the conventions that 
Patrick Stewart just wasn't happy with the show. He wasn't happy with the writing. He wasn't happy with the direction it was going. And he wanted off the show. So what did they do? They gave us this massive... I am Locutus of Borg. Resistance is futile. Your life as it has been is over. From this time forward, you will service us. Okay, enter Best of Both Worlds, part one. I have all my friends over again. We're having a pizza. We're watching Star Trek. Picard's not happy. Patrick's going to leave the show. And it ends on that note right there. That's where it ends. Was that the, now, was actually, that the first yourself, time they ever did a two-parter? Well, they did a two-parter on TOS, which was the Menagerie. But that was a, that was a conglomeration of the cage. Um, yeah, but this was the first actual two-parter intentionally. And okay. if you set your way back time, if you could jump in your DeLorean and go back to that time, You've got to bear in mind, like I said, there was no internet. There was nothing. There was only conventions. And you heard the murmur at conventions that was going around. And then this, this episode comes along, Picard's a Borg, and boom, it ends, right? Actually, the next line right. after that is Riker right. says, Riker says fire. fire. Dun, 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 dun. And then it ended. So <laughs> right. I, cut, I, I cut that clip before Riker said fire. But, yes, Riker says fire, and the episode ends, and we're pulling out our hair. We're going crazy. For months. And, uh, yeah, we had to wait. For months. Yeah, we had, we had to wait and wait and wait and wait and wait and wait. No sneak peeks, no, no leaked photos, no first looks, no, no Internet, nothing. And all we had was the going around to conventions and finding out, well, Marina said this at that one, and Brent said this at that one, and blah, 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 blah. Um, you know, is Patrick back or is he not? It was, it was the most exciting time to be a Star Trek fan, for me, anyways, was Best of Both Worlds. Well, well, actually, well. yeah, you're right. you're right. Talking with you guys oh. is the best. But, uh, <laughs> I'm, <laughs> in, I'm in the age of Star Trek now, but okay. <laughs> but... When that episode aired, it was – I can't even describe that feeling to you guys because people growing up today, Trekkies of today, will never know what that's like because as soon as there's a cliffhanger, you just go on the Internet and someone has a leaked script, someone heard this from that one, some actor leaked this out, oh, blah, blah, yeah. blah. I ignore you know, all of that. <laughs> well, well no, I mean, yeah. yes, you can ignore yeah. it, but it's there. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, back, in, back then, back in 1991, it wasn't there. So uh, you just had to pull your hair out and wait. <laughs> that was all you could do, go to conventions. And if you were lucky enough to go to a convention and see Patrick, maybe you could ask him. Of course, he won't tell you anything. But that's what made Star Trek Star Trek, in my opinion, today, was best of both worlds. It was such a strong episode. It was such a... I, I, it was a great Picard episode, but then part two turned into a Riker episode, which is fine. But kind of look at Picard has done since the influence of the Borg as a nemesis. 
for Picard has been super duper strong. And I, of course, best no episodes drive that home better than Best of Both Worlds with the, the cliffhanger and then the kind of deborgification of uh, Picard after that. And yet he continues to be haunted by the things that he did because, uh, man, he did some bad stuff at Wolf 359, you know? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm glad you brought that up, Eric, because I think one of the biggest differences between the way Star Trek is today and the way Star Trek was back then is serialization. And one of the things I, I keep thinking, if Best of Both Worlds, instead of being a two-part episode, had been a 10-episode serialized arc, just think of how, not take away from that episode, but just think of how awesome that story would have been. We could have got the backstory of Shelby, we could have, of, of Admiral Hanson. We could have seen more of Wolf 359, more of the ships that were coming into the battle, and we, we, we could have seen some of the officers and, that were killed in that battle. We, they could have expanded upon that so much more um, than what was done, not that what they did was bad. But there's a big difference between the way they did it then and the way they do it now. That's the point that I'm trying to make. So, and I think what we did is we got kind of echoes of it throughout uh, episodes here and there in that sort of episodic format, uh, rather than an art like you're together. And I, I don't feel one of the one of the one of the disappoint. Well, one of the things that I feel could have been done a lot better. We never really got closure to his assimilation and what he did at Wolf Three Five Nine. Um, you know, Cisco brings it up to him and he just kind of drinks his Earl Grey tea and just kind of ignores it. Um, but it was never really dealt with. He rolled around in the mud with his brother on his vineyard and that was it. And then he stared out the window. And that was the last they mentioned the Borg until Star Trek Picard came around. And now he's dealing with it and he's dealing with it with Seven, which is a perfect person to deal with that particular issue with. Did so really they like also mention it before in a movie like uh, First Contact? You know, I just watched First Contact in preparation for this podcast, and they they yeah, they briefly touch on it, but not nothing really, nothing really major. I mean, he says he can okay. still hear them. Well, um, I mean, yeah, I mean, he definitely hears yeah. them, and and there's there's some of that stuff in the movie. I think what what you're saying, Jim, is that they didn't like develop. Picard's aftermath from Wolf 359 specifically in First Contact because First Contact was so focused on the time travel plot and, you know, actually beating the Borg in kind of an action movie context. Right. Exactly. And I'm, I, so that brings us, we, we, we're, we're, we're coming up to um, modern Star Trek at this point. I mean, I know there's, I know he falls in love with a woman who's 300 years old and all that other stuff, but, but be that as it may. So we're meandering through Picard's career. I was like, what? And um, <laughs> we get to Picard season one. Okay, let's, let's get to there. Um, because we got, we got to talk about season two, and I got some great stuff to talk about. So let's, let's dive into Picard season one. So it's been a long time since we, we dealt with Picard. We, the last time we saw him would have been Star Trek Nemesis, where we meet Admiral Janeway, which was cool. And Data sacrifices himself to save Picard. 
And that's the last we see him. Now, Picard season one starts, opens up, and we see that Picard is on his vineyard and he's writing books, historical books about Dunkirk. And he's making his wine. He's living on his vineyard with a couple of Romulans, uh, Chabon and Laris, who are great characters, by the way. And he's kind of pulled away from Starfleet and he's hiding on his vineyard, right? Um, mm-hmm. Not exactly the man that we know him to be. Uh, not exactly the man we thought he would be. And he's dealing with, with the guilt of Data and the, the guilt of the Romulans being destroyed and, and the Federation pulling out. And he's just basically acting like an ostrich and just sticking his head in the sand and just, you know, not dealing with it. And that's where we meet him. I think we meet him as a broken, beaten man. Would you, would you agree? Yeah, I think so. And it isn't until we kind of start to develop uh, and we learn more about the actual condition of the card to uh, the events that we see in Star Trek uh, 2009 that, uh, that actually... Yeah, he's, he's, not, he's not the man he used to be. Now, we're going to get to the man he used to be before this podcast ends, so don't you worry. But this is a ride that we're going to go on with Picard. And I think, I don't think we want to talk about every single episode of season one, do we? No, I don't think we have time to, but we can absolutely talk about specific moments and like the arc that Picard takes over the season. So one of the things that I want to touch on, one of the arcs I want to hit on is the arc between Seven of Nine, Bejazel, and um, and um, what's his face there? Uh, uh, eyeball Rocky? guy there. No, no. Echeb. Oh, sorry, Echeb. Yeah. We'll talk about Echeb. And one of the one of the things, eyeball guy. One of the things that about the about this was that I understand, and this is a trope that Star Trek pulls, and I, I get it, um, where. You have to have a uh, you have to have a purpose. You have to have something to drive a character to do something they wouldn't do uh, in order to create some 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 danger or some threat. And in this particular case, Seven of Nine is involved with Bejazel, who's using her to find out where Echeb is so that she can steal his Borg implants. In this case, his ocular implants because they sell them for a lot of money on the black market. So she finds him and rips his ocular plant, uh, implant right out of his head. And this ticks off seven of nine to the point where she goes along with Picard, beams down on the planet, and murders her in cold blood. After she tells Picard she's not going to do it, she goes back and does it anyways. Now, is turning seven of nine into a cold-blooded killer is that necessary? Was that whole plot necessary? Did they need to do that? I don't. I don't know. I mean, what, what do you guys think? What do you think, Shannon? Well, by the way, one of the things they were looking for, they couldn't find in Egypt because he'd given to Seven back, well, you know, and Voyager. Yeah, we knew that as fans. We knew that, but they they didn't know that. Right, but that was very cool. But no, I think I think it, they had to do it to give her. So she, 
so that she would have a reason to go and she's going to go fight even though she like when she later you know becomes the board queen basically but she wouldn't have done that if there wasn't something driving her that way so I think right. that's why they did it that way yeah I, I yeah they had to get to do something to push that character to the edge which they did so mm-hmm. that was one of the things about season one I, I was like I don't know if that was uh, you know, necessary to do that, but they did. But that aside, when I was rewatching season one and we got to the episode, and, and we know this is coming, so let's nepenthe. When Riker shows up and Troy shows up and their daughter shows up, I was bawling like a two year old. I mean, <laughs> I, I was just like, oh my God, this is the greatest thing. This is just like, wow. And, you know, when, when the Soji kind of turns her head sideways and Riker notices and, and, you know, says, well, that was, you know, she's an Android like data and Troy comes over and is counseling her and, and just, Oh my God. I was just like, this is Star Trek. This is what it's all about. This is it. This is the episode of episodes. And at this point I'm like, they just, there's just no way that they can get better than this. This is just not possible. I was wrong. I was so wrong. Because as they as as it moves along, they get to a part where Picard has to face Data. He doesn't know realize that Data is not actually dead. And he faces Data in this uh construct. And Data asks him to unplug him. Pull him off of life support, basically, to let him go. And he and Picard agrees and unplugs him. And the scene where he's laying on the couch, and in Data's memory, it's Captain Picard from the TV show. His captain is holding his hand as uh, Issa Brionis sings Blue Skies, which is a song that Data sang at Riker's wedding, as Data's aging and, and and evaporating right before your eyes. It was it was okay, such a great moment. Cry. I was yeah. like like yeah. wow, this is oh, this is just just just. And I'm thinking, wow, this is Star Trek. But then, but then they they do one better because then they kill Picard, and <laughs> I'm like, and they have a whole you know he's dead, and they have this. We see so we see all the characters mourning the loss of Picard, and then they bring him back. Now, a lot of fans complained about that that particular thing, mm-hmm. and, and the one the one thing that I think is, I remember when Picard came out. It was originally Patrick Stewart said it was going to be like a ten hour movie. You guys remember that? Yeah, yeah. And so I think they intended it to be a ten hour movie, but. I don't think they intended on the huge popularity of the show. So they brought him back. And I also think that bringing him back as a synth is perfectly fitting for the show, where the show was, where synths were banned. And now he's one of them. And I thought that was a great twist on the whole thing. And so we get to see him die. We get to see him come back. And I'm like, wow, this is just – they can't get any better than that. That's the ultimate. That's the pinnacle of pinnacles. Okay, I'm done. 
I just can't take no more. It <laughs> doesn't get any better. And then guess what? The Romulans show up. They're going to blow everybody up. Starfleet shows up. And who is it? Captain Riker. And I'm like, oh, my God. Can they stop already? I can't take it anymore. And he wants to, <laughs> he wants any excuse to click, kick some Romulan ass. And uh, the Romulans leave and Riker leaves. And I'm like, wow. Wow. Just incredible. Incredible from beginning to end. So I, I was very impressed with the roller coaster ride of season one. There's one thing about season one, though, and that is Girardi killed Bruce Maddox. Yep. Um, she literally unplugged him and killed him. Now, okay, she was under the influence of Admiral O or Commodore O's mind meld. Um, so she was she was emotionally compromised at that point, um, but she did kill him. And at the end, she, well, before Riker shows up and all of that happens, they were on their way to Deep Space Five, where she was going to turn herself in and face the consequences of her actions. From everything I've seen so far from season two, that never happened. So I feel that they have to deal with that somehow and uh, that brings us up to season two so does anybody want to jump in here about their feelings on season on season one yeah for sure um so i you know the the show's called star trek picard uh and so presumably you would think that the show is entirely about picard i think uh because uh it's named after him but I think one of the things that um, Jim actually probably inadvertently pointed out with all of the points that he talked about, all of the episodes that he talked about, that every single one of these episodes had important moments with other characters that weren't necessarily Picard, and they were, but they were people who were Picard adjacent, people who affected Picard's life both in the past and in the present, and you know those wonderful moments have fed to the overall arc that uh, was taking over the season. And he, this idea of him at the very, very beginning, you know, amazing. I mean, yeah, I can't, I don't need to say any more about that. That whole scene and, and that whole episode was uh, incredible. But uh, the other thing that Picard sort of getting a fresh start it, uh, gives us uh, in the end is that he can be almost like it's almost like a rebirth opportunity for Picard. So we start with Picard broken in his vineyard, a lonely man. He goes on some adventures. He learns some stuff. He makes some friends. Comes to the end of uh, season two, and uh, he loses uh, somebody who's extremely important to him for the second time, right? In a very beautiful way, and. Um, and I think that that's the moment that is perfect for him to say, okay, you know, now we get this chance to kind of, kind of read him, <laughs> give him a fresh start, and see how he lives like the other half. How does he put his feet in somebody else's shoes and live out the rest of his Picardness? Um, now, the question, the question that I really have related to that is, can Star Trek Picard continue without Picard, without Patrick Stewart? 
Well, on that note, on that note, we're going to take a very quick break while you guys mull that over. We'll be right back. Trek Talking. All things Star Trek and beyond. Thursday night, 7.30 to 9.30, all hailing frequencies are open. iTunes, iHeart, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, and wherever fine podcasts are found. Trek Talking. Boldly going wherever your mind is willing to go. All right, guys, we're back. So, um... Speaking of Picard being a broken man to start and where he ends out, there's a new trailer. Well, it's not a new trailer, but there's a trailer that uh, was put out overseas because uh, Picard airs for us in the United States on Paramount+. Plus. For people outside the U.S., they have to watch it on Amazon. And Amazon had an overseas trailer, and it's been broken down and discussed all over the Internet, but I could not find a copy of that trailer to play for you guys. As hard as I tried, I wanted to put it on our Facebook page. I wanted to talk about it on Trek Talking. I wanted to play it for you guys here. I still have not been able to find that trailer. But what I did find is I did find a breakdown of that trailer. So I'm going to read it to you. And it's, it's some pretty good stuff here. And so this is, this is what the breakdown of the trailer, if I was playing it, these are the things you would see. So season two will start with some time passing, over a year at least. This brings the show into the early 25th century. Jean-Luc Picard is back at Chateau Picard in France and being cared for by Laris, played by Orla Brady. Admiral Picard has returned to Starfleet and is heading up Starfleet Academy. That's really cool. The season will also delve into Picard's past, including flashbacks to him as a child. He's the one that we see picking up the little rose in the broken um, window in that trailer. Journey Picard to teach at the Academy is Rafi, played by Michelle Hurd, and Elnor, played by Evan of Goria, um, and he's there, and he's a cadet at Starfleet. That is also cool. I hope he left his sword behind, because I don't think that Starfleet would like people running around with swords. So, anyway. Uh, Seven, played by Jerry Ryan, has rejoined the Fenris Rangers and now commands the La Serena kicking off the season battling some pirates. Her only companion is one of the Rios holograms. She, de- she deactivated all of them because they bugged her except for one. And I won't tell you guys which one <laughs> it is. You'll have to wait and watch the show. But she keeps one of them. A Soji, played by Issa Briones, and Girardi, played by Allison Pill, start off on a diplomatic tour of the galaxy to rebuild trust in the synths, which is where we see... Soji and Picard at the end, they're going to go off now that they're free into the galaxy. So that makes sense. Uh, but Girardi is called away to assist Rios, the real Rios, played by Santiago Cabrera. He is also back in Starfleet, and he's a captain. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. But wait, he doesn't just command any old starship. Oh, no, no, no. This is Star Trek. He does not command the Enterprise, but he commands a ship almost as good. Uh, Wait, the he's Reliance? in command of the USS Stargazer. That's right. Oh, wow. USS Stargazer. You heard it. The registry number for the Stargazer is NCC 8293. 
which is different from the stargazer commanded by Picard in the 24th century. Yes, it is. The one he commanded was NCC 2893. They added an 8 in the front of it. I don't know the significance of that, but they did. I don't know why they didn't keep the same and add an A. That I don't know. But it is the Stargazer. It does have four warp engines. And, and as some astute fans have pointed out, if you go back and you watch the Battle of the Binary Stars of Star Trek Discovery Season 1, Episode 1, the USS Jaeger, yes, named after me, is the same <laughs> class starship as the Stargazer. Got the same four warp engines and the whole bit. You see it in the long shot. You'll see it. So Rios is now the captain of the USS Stargazer. How cool is that, guys? Wow. Awesome. Um, Rios brings Girardi on board to investigate a, quote, subspace anomaly. Picard and Seven also arrive to assist. And then all hell breaks loose. And, yes, does it ever. Uh, the clip at the end of the ready room is set on the USS Stargazer in the middle of the attack. The security team working their way to the bridge amidst the chaos. On the bridge, they find Rios, Picard, Seven, and Girardi in the middle of a firefight. The battle is with an unknown entity referred to as She, taking over various systems via extending her tendrils. Picard orders a self-destruct as we hear the entity Possibly the Borg Queen. I don't want to say possibly. It definitely is the Borg Queen. Say Picard in a robotic voice. He turns to face her as the self-destruct reaches zero. And that is the trailer that I wanted to play for you guys, but could not find. Okay. So what do you think? Come on. Come on. Let's hear it. Are you as excited as me about season two yet? Eric, come on. I know you, got to, I know, I know you want to say something. to himself and asking questions about it. so have stargazers and another excellent way to do that um i'm really interested in how the board queen plays into the whole thing i know that he's the time travel part of it and and whatnot but uh is she is she the same queen i i just i think she is maybe there's multiple queens i'm still unclear on all of that but i'm very excited for the season for sure and this just kind of heightened my uh, my uh, <laughs> the intensity with which I want to see this uh, episode. How about you, Shannon? What do you think? Are you are you is your interest peaked in that little trailer? Okay, granted, I had you didn't not, get to hear. I had not seen it. Yeah, I I only saw it once, and then it was taken down. Um, but yeah, I was I able to find. It. I was able to find the synopsis. Oh, my God, Shannon, I was pulling my hair out. When the camera flies over and you see the registry mm-hmm. number and it says USS Stargazer, I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> I was <just> like, <laughs> I, yeah, I was freaking out when I saw see? it. So I can't be so excited as that, but when you were describing it, I'm like, wow, wow, that's really cool. 
<laughs> I'm so glad we have an episode in two days. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, and this is all from episode one. All everything I, I just told you is only only from episode one. They haven't shown us anything beyond that yet. Well, you know, if we since if we go to the premiere on Wednesday, we'll probably get two episodes. Yeah, mm-hmm. I guess exactly. Yes. Yay. So, David, David, what do you think so far? What do you think of the description of the trailer? Yeah, it sounds really cool. Um, it sounds like Picard dies, though. I mean, if he is he on the ship again? Again. Yeah. So, so here's the thing. All right, I got some news stories to talk about too. Some interviews, which might give some insight into some of these things. But here's the thing: everything I described to you up to this point happens and takes place in the current prime timeline. No time travel has happened yet. Yet. Okay, this is real. This is what we see, all right? So when Picard sets the stargazer to self-destruct and the computer's counting down, which you couldn't hear because you weren't hearing the trailer, and it's counting down five, four, three, and then you hear this female voice that says Picard, and he turns around and you see the silhouette of the queen as the computer says one and, the, and explodes. So they all died. So I'm wondering, you know, is this where Q shows up? That would make sense. And does whatever he does. I don't know. Because um, he's not done or, playing with the card yet. Or, even though this is all in episode one, are we seeing Q's game and then we're going to have a flashback to what caused it? In other words... Are we seeing a flashback within a flashback? Are they are they playing games with us and what we're seeing isn't really what we're seeing because Q altered it? I don't know. But that's what makes it so great. <laughs> so you know? my question is, did they ever introduce cloning to the Star Trek universe? Yes. Yeah, yeah there were a couple we of episodes. Had, we had, had, yeah, because we have planets yeah. where people were cloned. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Because yep. I was wondering, maybe they cloned the Borg Queen. Pretty sure. Well, I was thinking you know, that the Borg Queen isn't necessarily cloned, but just there is always a queen. So when one yeah. dies, there's just another right. one. Yeah. Right. And now, watching for, uh, I just watched First Contact yesterday. And when, when mm-hmm. Picard meets the Borg Queen, and he says something like, well, you, you died on that ship, something like that. And she says, you think so two-dimensionally. And that's that's where they leave it, whatever that means. Well, Take and the other she got killed on, she got killed in um, when Voyager came back too. Yes, she dies. She dies a lot, but she's always around yeah. again. So <laughs> yeah, there's something there that we're not aware of. So hmm. and if you if you remember your trailer from the, the American trailer that we see, uh, Girardi hooks reattaches the Borg Queen and turns her back on and it looks to me in the, I'm in the trailer like she assimilates Girardi what it looks like to me yeah. um, <laughs> again I'm, I don't know but it, it looks like a tendril goes into Girardi's back and she becomes does she become the new Borg Queen I don't know we'll have to wait and see maybe but it's interesting yeah I don't like Girardi so that's fun there's a lot going on here there's a lot yeah. going on here Speaking of a lot, um, Eric, you want to take the first news story that we have of Star Trek Picard? 
Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, Star Trek Picard's Patrick Stewart hints at a romance storyline for season two. Uh, Star Trek Picard season two is dropping next week. Actually, that's this week now, bringing back Sir Patrick Stewart's iconic starship captain for more adventures and ponderous meditation. And as the legendary actor has teased, it looks like there will be some romance. Sir Patrick writes Jean Picard's romantic endeavors in the next generation, which usually never went all that far. Quote, well, immediately comes to mind is romance of a very different nature and quality than it might have been our direct next generation, when really I had success of the actor joked. But this has developed much more in season two. He didn't tease who there would be the romance of a very different nature with, but thankfully we won't have to wait long to see to play it out on screen. One thing we do know for sure, though, is about the return of Patrick's close friend, Guinan, played by none other than Whoopi Goldberg, with the actor teasing that it's going to be the final frontier. Season three of the series is currently in production, uh, with executive producer and co-showrunner Terry Metalis getting fans excited with a tease. Quote, there are a few nods to Kirk movies. I grew up with the original series and the Kirk movies. That's my soap. You'll see a few of those things kind of tie some Star Trek together. And I think Akiva Goldsman has constructed a really fascinating and heartbreaking psychological exploration of Picard that no one is expecting. So it sounds pretty interesting interesting to me, I think. Uh, A little romance with Picard, I think, is okay. We also have to remember that, uh, (coughs) that I got a sneeze. Um, we have to remember that presumably season three ends on a cliffhanger into season, or season two ends on a cliffhanger into season three because John DeLancey was in six episodes, three episodes in season two and three episodes in season three, which leads me to believe that whatever happens in season one won't be resolved fully until season three. So, yeah. uh, you know, I think it would be safe to say that whatever goes on isn't going to wrap up in a nice, neat bow at the end of season two. Yeah, that remains to be seen. (laughs) So, but a romance, maybe, I think what fans would love to see Crusher show up. That that's what everyone's clamoring for. I Um, mean, you gotta do it. I mean, if you've, you've already gone, like you've already had people like Josh who, you know, in the one situation, and the only people left uh, is Crusher. I think. I mean, that's unrequited from way back, right? It's and if you remember, yeah. in all good things, he was married to Crusher, and they got divorced. Yeah. And granted, that, that was an alternate shit. timeline created <laughs> by Q and all this stuff, but still, anyway. because she's she's referred to as Captain Picard in that particular episode. So, yep. yeah. So the, uh, the, the story that I, the next story that I want to read to you guys is uh, Star Trek's Patrick Stewart explains how Picard season two is about the road not taken. There's little doubt that big things are happening in Star Trek Picard season two, thanks to the return of several beloved characters. In addition to that, the second season has an interesting theme, which is about the road not taken. So what is that all about? Patrick Stewart has an excellent explanation of where the story will go after everything that happened in the show's first season. 
In season one, Jean-Luc Picard ultimately succumbed to the brain anomaly that has been hailing him throughout the season. However, Agnes Girardi and Alton Indigo soon managed to upload his consciousness into the golem body. So is they're still related to the second season's theme. Patrick Stewart explains why it was important for Picard to take the rogue not taken. Quote, because he's still alive and his life is continuing, and he sees that he has been, in a sense, hiding from certain aspects of his nature, his personality, his ambitions, and his wants. And he's now trying to make adjustments to them, end quote. He then continued that Picard is destined to do so much more now that he has a second chance. Quote, we think of Jean-Luc as someone who is always helpful to people, but now there are other elements of that helpfulness, caring, perhaps even loving, and taking responsibility in ways that he hasn't quite before, end quote. It's pretty obvious that Picard is truly a special person, and that's probably one of the reasons why Q continues to torment him. Stort has always pointed out that Q sees himself in Picard, but John Delancey's character will be very different when we see him again. The second season of Star Trek Picard will consist of 10 new episodes and will bring back Allison Pill, Issa Briones, even if da 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 uh, The series will air on Paramount Plus on March 3rd, which is Thursday. So that gives us a little more insight into the character. And that those are words right from Patrick Stewart himself. What, what, what do you think, Shannon? What do you think he's talking about, the road not taken? Well, part of it is we're going to see when it goes back in the past, because that's the road not taken, but that's too obvious, probably. So it may be like he'll look and see what makes some other mistakes that he wants to correct, maybe Beverly or whatever, yeah. you know, because that was, he always wanted to be with Beverly. I mean, that was always there. So, you know, and I think at some point somebody was fake pretending to be Beverly and they got together. Am I remembering that right? Was a different timeline, right. not and like they yeah they slept together, but I don't think it was Picard; it was somebody else. There was a, like there that. was a, the, the last time that Q played his shenanigans with the road not taken is when Picard mm-hmm. died and he had he has a fake heart and he, the reason why he has a fake mm-hmm. heart is because he got stabbed in the heart by a Nausicaan because his friend yes. was cheating mm-hmm. at this pool game and he stood up to the Nausicaans. He got stabbed through the heart and that's why he dies. So Q goes right. back and gives him a chance to take the road not taken. And in this particular right. timeline, Picard doesn't stand up to the Nausicans. He doesn't get stabbed in the heart. And he sleeps with his best friend who happened to be, if I remember correctly, help me out here, Eric. This was the cap was, was the captain that Rio served aboard when he was first officer. Oh. Was, uh, what was her name? Oh. I forgot her name. Oh. Oh, goodness. Um, uh, yeah. Oh, that's a Google thing. You have to look it up. <laughs> I'm trying to see if I can figure it out. Yeah, it was aboard the Ibn Majid, I remember. Uh, Vanderbeer? No. Yeah, she, uh, he name drops her. He name drops her name on Star Trek Picard. And that's yeah. the character okay. that, that Captain Picard slept with in the alternate Q-created world which caused him to be mm. a lowly lieutenant and he never became a right. captain and things were totally different. So bearing in mind, Shannon, yeah. Yeah. If, if, if that was the kind of games that, that Q plays with the road not taken, mm-hmm. so what could Picard, what, what decision could, could, Picard, could Picard have made 
that would have changed everything to what we see in the trailers where he's like the, 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 the leader, the commandant of this massive totalitarian system. Something changed. Okay. Something happened. Yeah. Right. That didn't happen so, before. Yeah, like something that made like seven go go and kill somebody, like we saw. So that, yeah, we they, we don't know what Star Trek's going to do, which is awesome. <laughs> and one of the things that I've been reading on the internet, one of the things that people have been saying is the the, the quintessential thing that changes Picard is the Borg mm-hmm. and oh, yeah. him becoming Locutus and that whole thing. In in the trailer. There's a picture of the battleship Enterprise on the wall mm-hmm. at Wolf 359, and it's just destroying Borg left and right. And uh, a lot of people are saying that in, in, in this other timeline, the Federation utterly annihilates and destroys the Borg and takes all that technology, and they turn into the... the, the, the uh, the Terran Empire, the big I bad guess guy. You yeah. They become the bad guys the because they, yeah. they defeated the Borg. And so, I mean, I don't know if that's true or not, but that's one of the things that theories that's floating around out there. So, wow. Do you know what's funny? How can you utterly destroy the Borg? Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, Shannon. I was going to say, because that was something about Discovery. Like, I kept trying to expl- like, explain away why, why the captain was not a good guy, you know? And... And I'm like, I'm trying to explain, oh, because it's a different, you know, time, it's a war, blah, blah, blah. And no, he was not the right person. So I, apparently I can't tell what Star Trek's going to do, which I think is great. <laughs> and that's what we loved about season one. On this podcast, we were all saying, something's off about Lorca, Eddie. Something's mm-hmm. not right about Lorca. None of us ever in a million years thought for a second that he actually was from the mirror universe. That never dawned on us on this no. podcast. We, we just... We knew there was something wrong, and as it got closer to the big the, the big reveal, we we started to figure it out. But um, yeah, at any but that rate, was the best part of that. Yeah. yeah, that that was that was that made it. So Eric, what does Issa Briones have to say about season two? Well, she says that it is uh, really surprising. Uh, Issa Briones portrayed example in the first season of the audience didn't know she when the first version of the character Dodge reached out to Admiral Jean-Luc Picard for help. The twist of Picard was that there were Soon-type androids walking around who were not aware of their artificial origins. Briones' first android was killed, and she returned to the story as a second synthetic life form named Judy. As the plot thickened, Briones was back again, this time as a golden-skinned android named Sutra, who is not fond of humans, Romulans, or any other humanoid life. Briones is back for season two of Picard, but only as Soji. Briones would not say too much about Soji's role this season, but she did say that the ideas for the show in this script were, quote, really surprising. She said, it's really lovely as an actor that we get to continue to explore new facets of our characters with our new plot lines and the new in the road that we encounter. We are continuously peeling back the layers of our characters, and I think that you will see quite a bit of that character development from everyone this season. Brianna said that becoming a part of the Star Trek has been a good experience. I definitely have been 
many meaningful, I definitely have had many meaningful interactions with fans at conventions and over Instagram, says Brionis. It's just been very touching to see, and I feel like this is true for any character because in the very diverse world that we live in, any number of people are going to gravitate towards different characters. With me seeing fellow young women or femme folks that really identify with my character and feel uh, kind of seen in the uh, in this and discovering who they are and figuring out paths, said Brionis. So uh, really surprising is heard from her. Sounds surprising. Yeah, she's she's and, and that's she's uh, what twenty years old, I believe. She, she's she's the youngest young. cast yeah. member. She's yeah. very young. I think she's she's not as young as Will Wheaton was when he was on Star Trek, but she's still very young. And and for her to be well, talking she's the about she's youngest on Picard. That she's on just yeah. are younger. So yeah. Yeah. Right. So for her to say these things about meeting fans at conventions and mm-hmm. uh, being seen for young women, I think is is really a really powerful thing uh, for mm-hmm. her to say and for notice. So listen, guys, we're going to take another quick break. We'll be right back. Trek Talking, all things Star Trek and beyond. Thursday nights, 7.30 to 9.30, all hailing frequencies are open. iTunes, iHeart, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, and wherever fine podcasts are found. Trek Talking, boldly going wherever your mind is willing to go. So an interesting thing from season one is the fact that a relationship is hinted at between Rafi and Seven. And if you watch the very, very end of season one, when they're on the La Serena, you you see the two of them holding hands in the uh, mess hall. It's a very brief scene, but it is there. And we've talked about it on the podcast in the past. And uh, hopefully it's going to be tackled in season two. So um, I have an article here. From Gary uh, Rod and uh, Eric, you wanna you wanna read that for us? Uh, sure. Uh, actor, or excuse me, one of nine actors says the card two will skip the phase of her relationship with Rafi. Uh, Seven of Nine actor Jerry Ryan has revealed more details of her character's burgeoning relationship with Rafi, played by Michelle Hurd, where Picard's first season finale planted the seeds of a relationship between the two women. By the time we arrive in Picard season two, complete with what Ryan calls a time cut, they're officially an item. Like all relationships, the settling in part can prove complicated. It's here where Picard picks things up. It's an unusual thing in Star Trek to pick up in the middle of a relationship, Ryan says. This is not the beginning and flirtation and all that. You see that just for a glimmer in the final in the finale of season one. Then there's a time cut. And we're dropping into the middle of this relationship, Ryan continues. We skip the whole honeymoon phase, and we're in the, into the complexities of an adult relationship in the trenches. You're in the middle of it. How do you navigate a whirlwind romance that's born from primarily adrenaline, and now you have to navigate the day to day while you're also saving the world? It's fun, and we're able to tell so, uh, uh, so much more inclusive stories that really reflect society. I know that Jerry Taylor, who was one of the showrunners at the time, was very interested in making Seven gay or bi or pansexual, and that was shut down, Ryan said. But it's the character that would have made perfect sense, absolute perfect sense from the get-go, 
because she didn't even grow up human. Very interesting take on that. Yeah, very, very interesting take on that. And I'm glad that they're not going to drop that because they made a point of showing it to us. So if they had just dropped it, 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 it would have been very disappointing. So I'm glad that they're not ignoring that because a lot of fans were noticed that there were, there were some fans that went sorry, crazy sorry. over that. Okay. They we're were very, you know, they were upset about that, but um, I'm glad that they're going to keep it and that they're going to explore it. I think that's a really smart move. And I think it will develop um, the character of seven much, much better. Um, well, and I'm really interested to see if this, um, if this audio drama that we're getting, which I, I'm sorry, has that come out yet? Did I miss the launch of that? Do you know, Jim, offhand? Yeah, yeah. Charles, Charles already listened to it. He said it's two hours long, and he's already, already done it. Okay, so uh, I was thinking that that's probably the place that they're actually going to kind of develop some of this missing time that they're talking about here, because that is a Rossi story from my understanding. I'm, 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 I'm psyched to see what they do with it. Uh, what about you, Shannon? Are you, you think it's a good thing or a bad thing or uh, the Rafi seven thing? Are you excited about it or disappointed about it? Or David? Did we lose Shannon? Hello. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I'm muted myself. <laughs> oh, there we go. Ah. Give it another try. She's back. Okay. Okay. I think it's great because, you know, I, we don't see Picard in a, that kind of relationship, whether or not he will be later. But it's good to have some kind of, you know, you have to have human connection or species connection, whatever, um, to get going because you can't just be fighting all the time. And all we see in the future stuff is usually the fighting. So they have to have a relationship that's, to keep them together. Yeah, and I, th- I think they do that um, for a reason because they want they want to uh, – you know, in a minute and a half trailer, they got to kind of pump it up and make us want to watch it. So they're, you know, they're going to show you the stargazer and the board queen and all this stuff, you know, to, to pump it up to make you watch it. But you're absolutely right. There's, there's got to be more with than just the action. And I think mm-hmm. there definitely will be for sure. I mean, we, we heard, we heard Issa Briones talking about her character and the surprising places that she is going to go. And we heard Picard, we had Patrick Stewart talking about, uh, his romance, which hopefully is with Beverly Crusher, I, I hope. Um, we'll and, you know, we know that Guinan is coming back. We've already seen that in the trailer. Um, so we know there's a lot of things that are going to be going on. Besides, and, of course, Q. Let's not forget Q. So we know there's a lot more going on than just action and battles and board and things of that nature. So, and this is just another one, another relationship that they're going to develop. So I'm really looking forward to it. I'm really excited about where they're going to take it and what I is mean, going to happen. Rafi's just, she's personally one of my favorite characters from season one. So I'm happy to see anything they do with her. Yeah. And let's not forget that she got drummed out of Starfleet because she felt that there was a Romulan plot. She was a conspiracy theorist about the attack on Mars. And it turns out she was absolutely right. Right. So she wasn't a conspiracy theorist. She was just right. Exactly. She was right. So now she's, Mm -hmm. now she's working at, at the Academy with, with JL, (laughs) which I think is great, by the way, she's the only one that calls him JL, (laughs) you know, um, it's just, it's just funny to hear someone refer to him as JL. 
she earned so that right, I, think I guess. I think that's Apparently. great. I also think it's great that she lives in a trailer at Gorn Rock. I think that's great too. <laughs> when I was that's when my I was watching saver, it, by the way. Is it? That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. David, yeah. you've been awful quiet. What do you think so far? You want to add anything? To me? No, oh, I guess David's not. David's not with I'm us. Like still. I thought I was talking. Oh, okay. I thought you're talking to Shannon. <laughs> no, <laughs> your turn. Uh, um, yeah. Uh, what were we talking about? No, just kidding. Um, yeah. <laughs> so the um, the the whole relationship thing. I don't know exactly how they will take it out uh, and do what they're going to plan to do, but um, I hope it's going somewhere. I mean, the idea of I mean, wasn't Seven and that crime boss Lord also together at one point, and then she betrayed her and all that stuff. So probably Joffrey's going to have to watch out her extra careful or something. <laughs> but I don't know. I'm just hoping that there's going to be a point to it because I, I don't know. I'm a little indifferent about it. So <laughs> yeah, because if, if Rafi if Rafi pisses her off, she'll just kill her like she did for <laughs> Jazel. You know? well, hopefully not. Hopefully not. Yeah, I did notice. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know if you guys saw any of the other trailers, but um, they have a, another new uniform again. Did you guys notice that? I thought that was yeah. in the other alternative timeline. Yeah, the, the 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 uniforms that they're wearing at Starfleet Academy that Picard is wearing at the beginning and that Rafi is wearing are not the uniforms that we saw them wearing in Picard, oh. which is the same uniform, but it has that stripe, that extra stripe on it. Right. Um, these uniforms have, um, they're like a discovery uniform where they have that diagonal stripe that goes across the chest type of a thing. Mm-hmm. They're a little different yet again. So <laughs> another uniform to buy. <laughs> like, <laughs> like there's not enough, you know. Well, because you have to buy <laughs> another one. Come on. Yeah, now I gotta have a whole gotta buy another one. So um yeah, so I got one more uh one more story for you guys here. Um Santiago Caprera teases that Star Trek Picard season two will be action packed. Santiago Caprera said that when the first met about taking on the role of Cristobal Chris Rios for the first season of Star Trek Picard, he wanted to make sure it was clear that he wasn't just rehashing the same old sort of character. If the folks working to create the series weren't careful, Rios could have been the Star Trek version of Han Solo from Star Wars or Starbuck from Battlestar Galactica or even Wolverine from the X-Men. Rios still is a swashbuckling loner who occasionally plays cards or chomps on cigars like those other three, but Caprera and the writers made him more than just that. Quote, that was one of the first meetings I had with Michael Chabon and Akiva Goldsmith that he has to have an impact. There has to be something like it's these characters are so big, larger than life. We have to find something within that, something unique, something that sets him apart. Even though it's familiar, there had to be something unique there, said Cabrera. Fans won't have to spend time in episodes meeting the characters for the first time. In the case of Rafi, Elnor, Soji, and Rios, or learning where the characters have been for the past 20 years, Seven and Picard. Quote, you know, you're more invested in it, said Cabrera. A lot of things land differently. There's more of a feeling of, I know these people. 
between ourselves as well. So it's great. The good thing is that you've got more stories and you can dig deeper into more places to go. And you want to find new colors, new layers, new storylines. We found definitely some fun stuff in season two. Caprera hinted that fans could expect a real adventure from season two. Quote, for me, I felt that we hit the ground running, said Cabrera. It was just action-packed, and I also thought the details of how we related to each other was so much deeper. And we also got to explore something new. I can only speak for myself, but there's a whole new side of Rios that we see. He's got a different journey and an arc that will pay off in the end, end quote. So that's what Rios, so we've heard from all the major characters so far. Uh, we do know that Brent Spiner will be reprised, well, won't be reprising, but Brent Spiner will be back in season two, and he says he won't be playing a character that we've seen before. But that doesn't mean that he won't be playing the same character he's <laughs> always played, which is a, a member of the Toon family. Yeah. <laughs> so, you, know, you know, because they are going back in time, so he could play another soon. Um, so we'll have to wait and see. But uh, we've many heard from all he have anyway? Oh, <laughs> he's got a lot. He, he's like, um, he could play every soon from every generation, I, I you know? Yep. Um, he's done it, it before. Yeah, he's done it before. Yeah. Like the Energizer Bunny, it goes on and on and on and on. <laughs> <laughs> like a student uh, theater new you. Yeah, yep. exactly. <laughs> so, so I, I, I've, I've uh, described the new trailer to you guys and where we're going to find the characters and the Stargazer, and uh, we've heard from each one of the major actors on the show as to where their characters are going to go and the arcs that they're going to be seen on. And we've talked about Picard's past. So let's talk about where we would like to see season two go. What do you think, Shannon, based on everything we've talked about and the trailers that we've seen so far, what would you like to see in season two? And what are you most excited about? (laughs) I'm just going to enjoy the ride, but I would really like to see, you know, Picard punch Q like you know Cisco did, but that, oh, that's probably not going to happen. But yeah, <laughs> that would like be my, funny. My least favorite character, actually, but yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, would, be, that would be. I'm funny. definitely to enjoy the ride. I'm not going to try and guess it ahead of time. I just enjoy it as it goes. <laughs> well, we, we yeah, we're, we're all definitely definitely going to do that. What about you, David? What do you think? Well, first of all, do you know why they took down the um, trailer? I, I do not know why. I, I wish I did. Okay. I, maybe it wasn't meant to be shown and, and someone got it. I don't know. I, I've okay. been scouring the Internet for hours and hours every night trying to find it again. And I have been <laughs> unsuccessful. So you'll have to okay. just go with my my description of it and be happy with that. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's fine. Um, so uh, I'm most excited for, um, even though, yes, this is not technically the Star Trek way, I suppose, but I like, I do like action-packed movies, um, and I am excited for the action that they're going to be bringing into the show. Uh, I also like to see, uh, <clears throat> uh, what's the word? I, I do like to see um, them explain different things like 
the story that was told about Guinan and Q, I want to see that resolved. I want to see what why Q is so afraid of Guinan. And uh, I'm probably most excited about that if this in there. I might get a little disappointed if they don't do it, but, you know, that's just the way TV's age. But <laughs> um, other than that, I, uh, yeah, I like Shannon said, I'm just going to enjoy the ride. Hey, you know, you know, David, we don't know exactly how much of Guinan we're going to see. They showed, <laughs> us, they showed us her in the trailer, but uh, they had spoiled that before Picard season one even came out. Uh, he went on TV and invited her on the show. So we knew that at some point Guinan was going to show up. So they showed it to us just because it wasn't a surprise. But let's not forget, they can pull a sh- – they're, they're pretty shrewd about pulling things over on us. I mean, look, at they hit they hit seven yep. of nine. Nobody knew seven of nine was going to show up until she did. Yeah. So they can hide things when they want to. And – just because we only see Guinan with Picard drinking some Earl Grey tea, piping hot at her bar at <laughs> Ford Avenue, um, mm-hmm. doesn't mean that we're not going to see more of her. And it doesn't mean that she won't be back in season two. Because remember, Q is in three episodes in season one, and Q is in three episodes in season two. So that doesn't mean that Guinan can't come back again in season two when Q comes back, right? Guinan was in season one? He means two and three, no. is what he means. Well, yeah, in two and three, Not right. They teased her. Two and three. Yeah, they teased her in season one. They Like, okay. uh, you know, Picard went on The View and invited her, and she said she'd be on the show, and then she never showed up on season one. But they already told us she was going to be there because we already knew. So it wasn't a <laughs> shock when we saw her in the trailer. But yeah, speaking of bringing back people back, I'm actually most excited to see uh, either Worf or Jordy to return if they ever do come back. You know, you know who needs to come back, David. In my opinion, who needs to come back is Wesley. <laughs> That's not going to happen. Because I think that I think that Picard, I think that Picard was kind of a father figure, a mentor figure to Wesley. I think that Wesley looked up to and admired Picard, and I think that to have Wesley come back uh, at some point and you know interact with Picard, I think, and I think the character needs that redemption too, because so many fans out there hate the character, and I I think we need to see Wesley mm-hmm. show up. Um, all of them come back, yeah, because he's still traveling with a traveler, right? Well, okay, so that's a tricky that's a trick question because. He's at Riker and Troy's wedding in Nemesis yeah, in, in right. a Starfleet uniform. So he, I, something happened. We don't know what, but something happened. No, he they need to the make a backstory. Yeah. So, so, Eric, you've been awful quiet through all these conversations, <laughs> and I know that you have a lot that you want to say. So why don't you jump in and lay it all out? <laughs> well, it's been uh, interesting listening to, you know, all the different opinions and stuff going on. I, uh, you know, I, I mean, just related to the last thing we talked about here with Rios, um, I think Rios is a cool character, and I kind of like that they're uh, going to maybe highlight him just a little bit more. You know, uh, one of the things we're also doing right now, the, everybody in the podcast here is we're, we're reading elements 
which is the Rios book, which gives you a little bit of background on where Rios comes from and uh, what his previous uh, Starfleet career was. And that kind of so I really like that they're going to um, push him forward a little bit in season two. Um, as for what I'm looking forward to in season two, uh, David sort of started hitting it a little bit with other characters. I really am excited to see if they bring other TNG folks back. Um, I'm, I'm very interested to see how that plays into Picard's character arc. And then as I was saying before, you know, if there's a, if there's a Picard post Patrick Stewart or not, if that's a possibility or, you know, is season three, it sounds like we're done, done. I mean, that's kind of what they've announced, uh, which I would be totally fine with. It sounds like a limited arc would make a lot of sense for this type of story. But one way or another, uh, I hope they bring in some of the old characters. I don't need lots and lots of cameos, but they just did such a beautiful job with everybody they've had so far. Uh, I, I would love to see Jory in particular. <laughs> He's one of my favorites, and um, I think it'd be cool to find out you know, where he was when everything went down at Utopia Planitia, uh, when the sense uh, went rogue and that sort of stuff. Um, we have some beta canon information on that, but we don't have any prime canon, you know, televised about that stuff yet. So it'd be, it'd be good to know. There's, there's so many possibilities. Now, one of the things that we, we didn't talk about was the Bell riots, because if I remember correctly, the exact time that Picard is, that Picard goes back in time, whether it's Q or however it happens is the Bell riots. And which is supposed to be like next Yes, and and we do know from Deep Space Nine, we do know who is Adrian Bell. He's, <laughs> he's Commander Cisco. Yeah. Well, at we, the end, we know, we know at the beginning. Well, he is. Yeah. I mean, you know? that's, the, that's the final timeline. Uh, the right. way it's left is that Cisco is is Bell, and yeah, right. uh, these are supposed to take place September 2024. So in in a little over two years. Yep. So, I mean, you know, will they, will they, will they, you know, pop a cameo of Cisco on us? I don't think so. But I don't think I don't think Avery Brooks is coming back. I, 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 don't think Avery, I wouldn't mind if they did like some sort of CG effect. I guess like a little tiny part you see him in the background or something. But yeah, I wouldn't mind that. I mean, I just wanted to throw that out there because. Yeah. Uh, okay. Okay. Aj. Okay. Uh, I said that I hope he would. I hope that AJ would stay laying under the heater. Well, he just decided that he wants to jump on me and he wants to play with my headset. Uh, so when you had had Lucius's voice earlier, like looked around like because it was so much louder, I think than everything else. Like, what's going on? (laughs) What's that? I will be assimilated. Assimilate me, Dad. You don't need anything but me. Yes, I see you, AJ. But um, yeah, I just I I can't help but think that it's not a coincidence that they picked that exact that that time to set mm-hmm. the episode in. They don't do things by mistake on Star Trek, um, so there's got to be some significance to the Bell riots because they know that we know that they know that we know that they know that we know when the Bell riots. Right. <laughs> You know, 
I'm also thinking no. that the Picard series is probably going to take place before the Bell Riots for some reason. Well, it is, because it's supposed to be next year in the Bell Riots, because when Cisco comes in, it's the end of the Bell Riots. So and at the beginning, he wasn't that person. So if they come before then, and I think they said next year, then it's before the Bell Riots. So he won't see Cisco anyway. Yeah. Well, no, you're right. There, there was an Adrian Bell who was not Cisco. There actually was an Adrian Bell, but he died. Oh. And right. Cis- but, but then, at the end of that, not the, not a year earlier. Isn't that when they're going in next, a year earlier than that? I'm not. I'm not. Eric, when? When? Ex- can you help us out here, Eric? I don't think they told us exactly when showing up. No. Uh, then I haven't given us a date. Have they? Not that I know of. I know it's around that time, but I don't think we know okay. for sure. Yeah, we don't know exactly. Wait, wait. They what? accidentally kill Cisco and that starts the whole dish, the different timeline? That would happen. <laughs> Unless, yeah, that's true. Unless the Q, the, the Q thing that, that the road not taken is maybe right. maybe Picard saves Adrian Bell and and, and Cisco never has to assume that identity, and because that happens, the Federation turns into this totalitarian, evil empire. I, I, I don't know. I just hope there's more than just time chickens, because we've seen it a million times, and it better be a darn good character development story, too, because I can appreciate some good action, too, but, man, episodes of nothing but action, I'll be pretty disappointed. Well, I, I don't think, based on the interviews that we've read on tonight's show with Issa Brionis and, and Rafi and Picard, and, um, it's, it's pretty obvious that there's a lot more than action so far. Um, so we, we know there's going to be other things happening besides action, but, but face it, action drives the plot, you know? So, yeah. I mean, it's going to be interesting. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I cannot wait. I can't wait for, for Tuesday night. What, 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 <laughs> Wednesday night. Or Wednesday night. What is it? Uh, four, is it 4.30 on Wednesday? Uh, well, it's 4.30 night time, 7.30 your time. Yes, you're right. Right. Just so you know, I'm missing a campaign thing so I can watch Park Hard because that's more important. Is to watch it is. Hard. <laughs> I mean, well, we, we, what I've always liked about you, you have your priorities straight. Yeah, you got to get your priorities straight there, you know. Come on. I just if I'm missing yep. anything. Yep. I, you know, speaking of priorities, when I married my wife, we got married at a Star Trek convention. I said, look, we're having a convention did. this weekend. I don't have time to get married, so we got to get married now, or I don't know when we can do it. So um, we had our wedding at the Star Trek convention. So, you know, Aww. you got to get your priorities straight, you know. That's right. Well, she knew what she was getting into when I was dressed up as a Klingon. (laughs) (laughs) You know, did I ever tell you the story about when we painted her green? I think Eric heard this one. I think I've heard it. Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, (laughs) we went to this air show in Schenectady, New York. The blue angels were there and they had all these aviation people there and they asked us to come there. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, because, you know, Star Trek and the future and the Enterprise and stuff. So we went. I was a Klingon, and my wife decided that she wanted to be an Andorian. And this was early, early. This was like, I was so green at the whole thing, I had no idea. 
So um, we went and we got we went and got some blue spray paint and uh, we painted her blue. <laughs> yes, we did. And uh, we got a white wig and the antenna and put it on her and the whole bit. And she looked really good. I mean, she looked excellent. And then at the end of the night when everybody went home and I took off my Klingon head and washed off my makeup and uh, she was blue. Yeah. And we couldn't get the blue off of her. And I, I took took Comet and a scrub brush and put her in the tub and scrubbed her, scrubbed her, scrubbed her, scrubbed her, um, and got her to a hazy shade of blue. And uh, <laughs> then she became a light baby blue. And uh, it took a couple of days for, for all the blue to come off of her. And uh, she never lets me forget it. And she never let me paint her again. Go figure. Oh, my God. <laughs> You know, and then there was a big blue ring around the bathtub, and oh, what a what a nightmare! Oh. Uh, yeah. Good times. Yeah, we, we we were younger then. Things were different, you know. <laughs> I also made my Klingon head. I did not know that latex and Vaseline has a reaction to itself. So when I made no. my Klingon head, I took I took uh, toilet paper and and doused it in Vaseline to make the, the ridge pattern on my head. Once I had the ridge pattern that I wanted, I took rubber latex and poured it over that and let it harden, oh. let the oh. latex dry, and then painted it. Well, guess what happened as the day went on? My head started falling off because the, the Vaseline was eating its way through the latex and my ridge was falling off. <laughs> so... Yeah, uh, things you learn. <laughs> things you learn. <laughs> but anyways, so uh, I, I think I think that pretty much we're, we're all looking forward to Star Trek Picard. It's going to be on Thursday night uh, uh, on Paramount Plus. I think it drops uh-huh. at midnight, I believe. Um, yep. Yeah, drops drops at midnight. By the way, speaking of Paramount Plus, have you guys been watching 1883? No. No. No? Well, it's on Paramount Plus, and it yeah. is outstanding. I'm, I'm telling you, it's good. I'm not into Westerns, but the wife and I were flipping around trying to find something to watch during the snowstorm, and this new show, 1883, popped up. And so we started watching it, and 1883 oh. was, was, was really, really, really good. What did you think about 1883, Karen? Wasn't that excellent? I was just reading an article about it. Yeah. And Tim McGraw and Faith Hill, they're married and they have three girls. Excellent. And they had a hard time reading their lives. They were crying. It was an excellent series. If you guys are looking for something to watch on Paramount Plus while you're waiting for Picard, which is only on Thursday, uh, check out 1883. It was really good. It was, I, I was crying at the end. It was, it was really powerful, really well done. Is that the show about the trail, Oregon Trail? Yes. Yes, it is. Okay. Yep. It's not, it's a, it's a Western, but it's not like, it's not like your Clint Eastwood cowboy type Western with shootouts in the streets and stuff. Uh, there are some Indians and stuff like that, but it's more of a, it's a drama. It's, it's, it's really good. I, I don't want to ruin it if you guys want to watch it, but it was outstanding. Cool. I got, that's all I got to say. And it's on Paramount Plus. So if you have Paramount Plus for Star Trek, you can watch 1883 as well. It was excellent. So, guys, anybody else want to add anything about Star Trek Picard or about Patrick himself? Well, I do have a prediction. 
Okay. Uh, so this is season two coming out, right? Yes. And this is the last season they're making for Picard? No. no three. Season three. Season three. Three seasons. Okay. So my prediction at the end of season three is I have a feeling for some odd reason Picard is actually probably, most likely, going to probably sacrifice himself like he did, like Data did to him for the sake of humanity of some sort. So that's just something I was thinking about. <laughs> you know, I, I could see, I could see Picard. Uh, I could see Q tormenting Picard like, a, like a fish in a bowl or something for all of eternity, you know, type of a deal. Oh no. But well, I, you know, <laughs> a lot of fans are saying that Q is going to turn Picard human again, but I don't, I don't know if that's absolutely necessary. I guess I guess that's one thing I wanted to talk to you guys about. That's a good thing. Thank you, David. One of the things that a lot of the fans are are complaining about and uh, about Picard is that Picard is dead, and that what we're seeing is not really Star Trek Picard because Picard died, and now this is just an android of Picard, and therefore not really Picard, so it's not real. So I guess the question becomes this. Um, you know, would you consider Data to be real and alive, or Soji for that matter? Um, and where where do you draw the line? I mean, what what makes what makes Picard okay. Picard? And does it really bother you that he's in an android body now? What do you think? Go ahead, Shannon. Remember, I did that. What sentient is that when I did the Starbase Indie thing? Because we talked about things like that. We didn't do that specific thing. It's not whether it's sentient, it's just whether or not it's the same creature, I guess. Because obviously, data is sentient. That's whether or not it is still the same being, I guess, is what the issue is. Right. Like, when they upload him, is it still him? Yeah. Is it still him, right. Hmm. And and I, I, would, I would argue and say that, yes, it is still him. Yeah, I think so. I, I, I would say that yes, it, 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 that the the Picard that we see, even though he's in a synth body, is still the Picard that we knew before. Because I, I mean, I guess it becomes a philosophical or or a more of a religious question, I guess, at that point. And it, it's like, does an android have a soul? I guess is what it comes down to. And if Picard had a soul, did he lose his soul when he died? And became an android, I guess, and that that's that's a deep, deep conversation for a Star Trek podcast, but <laughs> you know <laughs> because for me, as I said earlier, I think it was it was poetic that he ended up as an android in, in a synth because he fought for data when they wanted to defeat, to take him apart. Remember the episode measure of a man mm-hmm. and, and and Picard. But- fought for data and said data is as real and alive as you and me. He's as sentient as anyone and Starfleet agreed and gave data, you know, his freedom or whatever his whatever you want to call it. So it was only fitting yeah. that Picard would become the same thing that he fought for. And I thought that was great. And it doesn't so, bother me that he's a synthetic. So they put Picard into what they call the Gollum. Was that actually an android body, or was that just something that was kind of like a clone mechanical body? Well, if I remember, 
when I watched the episode, I was under the impression that that Alton soon was building that body for data is what the, what I got out of it is that he was going to take data's neurons and, and out of the computer world and, and put him back into that golem that he was building so that data could come back. And then they decided when data wanted to die, they gave that to Picard. That's the way I read it. Mm-hmm. I, I might be wrong, but that's the way I got it. Well, what did you think, Eric? Uh, yeah, that's more or less the way that I, I read it. Um, I think that the golem was supposed to be the type of thing that you could just plug and play and put put and sort of program <laughs> in a in a different way than you can plug and play data. You know, I mean, that was the thing about data is that he was uh, he and Lore were unreplicatable, and the one time the person who came the closest to being able to replicate them was Data himself when he did law, and that was ultimately a failure. Um, and so this golem was like the, the technology that was going to allow an indirect reintegration for data that then got repurposed for Picard. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what do you think, Eric? Do you think that is the Picard that we're seeing the real Picard? Well, I mean, I think there's a, there's an ancient uh, philosophical uh, allegory to this and I don't remember if it was Socrates or who it was, but it's called the, the ship of Theseus. And the idea is that, you know, there's this guy named Theseus. He has this ship. He starts replacing pieces of his ship. And eventually he's replaced every single piece of his ship. And the question is, is that the same ship that he started with? And I think that that's kind of what we have here. You know, you could ask yourself the same question. Uh, you know, uh, actually it's funny. We were talking, I was talking about this with my wife the other day. You know, let's say that you have an artist uh, who is Jewish, who makes art. It's not necessarily Jewish related. Is it Jewish art? You know, there's a lot of these kind of questions that I think are, are deep philosophical questions that don't have wrong and yes and no and perfect answers to them because it's, that's the whole point, right? Is we're like, we're all humans trying to figure this out. So from my standpoint, the memories of the person that are there to me, that's the same person. To me, Thomas Riker was exactly the same person as Will Riker when he was first produced, when he first came into being. And then he became a different guy as time went on. And the only reason that he was a different guy from William Riker is that William Riker continued to exist. Otherwise, it just would have been, no, this is, this is the path that William Riker took, right? No, that he became Thomas Riker. So I think it is because uh, there's still only one. <laughs> that, that's true. That, yeah, yep, you're absolutely right. There is only one. It's not like they made like a whole bunch of them. There's only one. But, but. If I remember, there are only each one of the synthetics are unique too. They're 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 made as as a pair as twins, but there's only one set of sojis and dodges. There's not like a whole bunch of them that that we're aware of. Right. Anyways. That's why there's yeah. That's why there's uh, data and lore, for example. Right. Uh, but there's not another one. Yeah. Yeah, it's not like data in lore one and data in lore two. And you can't count B four. He's different. No, he's different. You can't count him. Right. And maybe there's another B four somewhere that we don't know about. Maybe. Yeah. Or maybe that's why B four didn't work because he didn't have a pair. 
B5. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> That's not but, nearly yeah. cheeky enough. <laughs> I, um, so anyways, I guess we've covered Picard from beginning to end. <laughs> and we know we have all the news up to date, getting everybody ready for Thursday night. Some of us on Wednesday <laughs> night. And uh, we won't be talking about Picard on truck talking on Thursday night because it airs on Thursday night. So we'll be breaking it all down and talking about the first episode, which is the Stargazer episode uh, next, not this Thursday, the following Thursday. So bear that in mind, guys. Uh, There's no way that we can watch an episode of Discovery and an episode of Picard and have those both ready to discuss on on a podcast that night. Just not enough time. So stay home from work, call in sick. Yep. Which by the way, yep. would wouldn't be the first time I've ever done that. So you know, I, I have I have on occasion yeah, I could do it, but uh I'm not going to, but I could. I have. Let's put it that way. Um so Can I ask you one thing before we clear out tonight though? Yeah, sure. Okay. So this time ten years ago is when you all got me tickets to go, you know, Star Trek Picard, the premiere. And so, and not only I really appreciate it, that was awesome. So you all have become my family in the last two years because I talk to you all the time. Mm -hmm. You know what? I unfortunately Mm -hmm. did not get to go and meet you with the rest of the Mm -hmm. guys, unfortunately. But hopefully our paths Mm -hmm. will cross. I'm hoping that they do a non-virtual thing now that we're coming out of this COVID thing. Maybe they'll do another one of those, and I can go. I hope. Yep. So that'd be really. But we cool. are going to maybe for season be, three. For season <laughs> yep. three, right? We are going to be together at the virtual one, like we have been for the last couple. So th- that'll be cool. Anyways, always fun so to listen. see Shannon in the chat boxes for those. She's always very active in the chat boxes, uh, and then every once in a while she ends up finding her way onto the actual website. So nicely done, Shannon. <laughs> 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 so guys, I just I just want to say that I've I've really enjoyed this conversation about Jean-Luc Picard. It's been a lot of fun engaging with you guys and having a good time. So thank you so uh, much to I David. Have one for... more question. Yeah, go ahead, David. <laughs> do you think yep. the omega pot, the omega particle has something to do with the Q continuum? <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> David, that's, that's not a question you can just drop at the end of the show, man. Come on. <laughs> if you want to get into Omega Particle, let's talk on Thursday, okay? Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to tell Omega Particle, but I want to do it on Thursday in the context of Yeah, the we're, we're, we're down to three minutes. <laughs> so, anyways, I just wanted to say uh, thank you, uh, David, for hanging out and uh, – Chuck talking with us tonight about Jean-Luc Picard. Thank you so much, David. You're welcome. It was fun. It's always fun to Trek talk, isn't it? And absolutely, positively, thank you to Shannon for hanging out and Trek talking with us. Shannon, it's always fun to have you with us. Yes, it is. And peace and long life. Peace and long life to you as well, my friend. And, of course, Eric. We couldn't do the show without Eric, so... Thank you so much for hanging out and Trek talking with us, Eric. We really appreciate it. 
You better believe it. It's fun to do extra show this week, and Julon true to all of you. And mm-hmm. I just wanted to say to to everybody that uh, thank you so much for helping me to make this show and uh, to, to uh, stay safe and be good to each other. And hailing frequencies are closed. We'll talk to you guys again on Thursday night. Good night, everybody. <laughs> night. night. Let's see what's out there. Engage. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.